after Mission last Sabbath. In Montana on the project there. Just came back in yesterday evening. So it's good to be back here. Nice the weather's modified a bit. I see you haven't all washed away. Looks like it might happen there for a while. Well, a few things. We have trumpets. Feast of Trumpets coming up on Monday already, and we'll be meeting here, of course, at 1 o'clock, as we usually do with a potluck thereafter. So 1 o'clock Monday for Feast of Trumpets, and then two days later, having feasted, we have the fast of the seventh month, uh, which uh, is symbolic of the death of Gedaliah, who had been appointed as the leader of Israel. Uh, and that's important here at the end. I think Herbert Armstrong's death, probably having been murdered as Gedaliah was, uh, is an end-time symbol of that. Uh, we have scriptures that indicate that uh, our own national leader, or more than one maybe, will also be killed in Hosea and Isaiah, which we read last week, I think. Uh, or the week before, <coughs> and that might have some bearing on it as well. Of course, we know the two end-time leaders of the church are going to die, set in the Word of God in Revelation. So, it's an important time for us to consider uh, God's leadership and how He overcomes uh, Everything that man can do to his people, to his church, he comes out on top, always, and always will, no matter what he allows in the meantime. <clears throat> so the fast of the seventh month is an important one, was for them back then, it is for us today. Then, of course, atonement is on Wednesday, the 5th of October, so we have two fasts coming very close together here. Uh, that's become an annual thing. I'll be glad when they should change the Feast of Joy, which the book of Zechariah says they will be, as I tend to like feasting better than fasting. And then Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day are October 10 through 17. I'll get a schedule out for activities during the feast uh, sometime probably this week, if not before the weekend's over. Well, it's interesting what's happening in the world. Uh, even this morning, which was quite a while back in China, you know, the earth is round in spite of the flat earth theory, and uh, Saturday started a lot earlier in China than it did here. Uh, but they've apparently had a coup and the military and other members of the Communist Party have taken over for Z. He is apparently under house arrest, and word is that he's basically been staying in his own home for two years, and his appearances in public have been through a body double. Uh, but there is a conference there that they have annually among the top leaders of the Communist Party and he did apparently attend that and wound up under house arrest. 
they shut off most of the flights in and out of Beijing and maybe through other parts of China. All trains were stopped in and out of the city. Uh, it's not been totally confirmed that this is indeed a military coup uh, as yet, but all the uh, things that you would look at to point to that occurred. Uh, so that has been pretty well established. Uh, China is suffering in many respects, one being they're coming up against a shortage of food, and the other is now they have a shortage of water. And Xi did not spend a whole lot of time addressing those issues, uh, so it's become a pretty big problem. And this will have repercussions around the world, obviously, uh, if China is in total chaos, which it appears they are at this point, and martial law having been declared, you can't go in and out of the city, uh, that shuts down a lot of trucking, a lot of rails, that shuts down a lot of things until they can get enough organized to feel confident in having those things continue. It also impacts uh, the making of parts that we're waiting for over here for weeks and months to get, uh, which will probably get worse uh, if they're not shut off altogether. So China being in a state of total turmoil uh, certainly will have huge implications around the world and in this country for that matter. And those people who are taking over in China are going to want to be in favor of the public. And if the public is lacking in food and in water, uh, then the Chinese are going to start trying to find food and water. And where will they look to get these things? If they're not there, uh, where will they come from? And we know from past quotes that they intend to colonize America and use our water and our food for their people. So that is in their minds. Uh, it's written, speeches and written word saying that that is what they desire. Now, you and I have some understanding that the rest of this world simply does not have. We know in the book of Daniel that our country is going to be divided into pieces, apparently four. I've seen speculation of four, of six, of eight different ones have speculated on how the country would in, in Canada would be carved up after we're defeated. Uh, they apparently don't read the Bible, uh, and they speculate. They, they see it coming, if you will. They just don't know as many details as we might know about what is about to transpire. So, all of them do show China getting about a fourth of the nation, I think, all that I've seen anyway. Some might say that Ghana is going to get a fourth of it, but I doubt that. I mean, that's just, you can name countries to put in here, but it's going to be the major ones that it's divided up among, not the minorities. I think that should be obvious. So, that's on the table at the moment to kind of watch and see where it goes if it indeed be true, and it appears to be, put it that way. Uh, there have been protests going on in Iran now for nine days. Uh, 
they tortured, beat, and killed a 22-year-old woman. And now protests are kill the dictator. So there may be a regime change in Iraq very shortly. Uh, or they'll beat these people down. But I suspect that out of it all, if there's new leadership, they'll go a different direction than the current one. Uh, and where that will be, we don't know until we see who it is. Will it be a rabbit against the nation of Israel person? Or someone more dovish? Who knows? But I do expect from Scripture, if I understand it right at least, uh, for us, probably along with Israel, and Israel might start it, but we might finish it, to uh, destroy Iran would be our maybe next target. And then our horn will be broken if, if I'm looking at Daniel correctly. So, two areas to watch very closely there. And I hope we realize by now that World War III has already begun. Uh, and it isn't Russia that's been pushing World War III. It's the United States and NATO that have been pushing it. We've pushed at Putin and pushed at him and sanctioned Russia, tried to shut them off and destroy their economy, and it's only gotten stronger. And we're sending all kinds of war machinery into the Ukraine to fight Russia. So it is the U.S. and NATO who are pushing at Russia uh, to get them to destroy us. People in Washington are doing that, and I'm going to show you that in Scripture here in just a little while. So, this thing is already going. It's just in the first quarter. Uh, it, it, the score gets higher, <laughs> you know, when you reach the climax of the fourth quarter. But it's already going. And the Scripture is very clear. It will be the Assyrian against Israel. And Israel means the peoples of Israel, Western Europe and the United States and Canada primarily. And they are very quickly destroying Europe as we sit here. Uh, there are going to be many, many people, it appears, starved to death and freeze to death in Europe this very winter that is coming. Unless somehow the Europeans go against the United States and the UN or, or against NATO and decide that they will go ahead and play ball with the Russians and back off the sanctions and be buddies with Russia. And I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, the die is cast. The leaders of the nations and of Europe and of the United States have decreed that we will have a war with Russia. And you have to back clear off of that thinking in order to restore the gas line and so on uh, and cause Europe to be able to have the things they need to survive the winter. So, expect to see it get worse. Uh, because we know from Scripture very clearly that Europe and the United States and Canada must go into captivity. It is inevitable. Is going to happen because God said so, not a politician here and someone there. Oh, I saw one blurb that uh, the guy who is one of the top leaders of the CCP under Z, who was against him, just made a trip to the United States to visit, guess who? 
No, it wasn't Hillary, I'm sorry. Henry Kissinger. He's just about to turn 100 years old, and one of the top three Chinese officials just came over here to visit with him. Kissinger's been a globalist forever, so we know where that's going. You know, the Bilderbergers aren't the only ones that had a conspiracy against America, as I mentioned, it's starting in 54, when we went through Isaiah 7. The United Nations has its headquarters in New York, and the United Nations is a conspiracy against the nations of Israel. That's what they are. They epitomize all the Gentile countries, and they want us destroyed. So in that sense, we're being destroyed from within by the United Nations as well, who have their headquarters right here on our own soil. Interesting things happening in the world. Well, let's get back to Isaiah, because the Word of God is the key to this whole thing, and we're going to see some important things today that God wrote that have to do with uh, the things I'm right now talking about. You remember the conspiracy there in chapter 7 and how he said the Assyrian will come into the land, but the church will bring forth Christ, bring forth Emmanuel as this occurs. So God is going to begin to work with his people, his very small flock, and increase it to 10% of what was called And they will receive protection by God while the nation goes down to the Assyrian and to Egypt, which represents the other nations of the world who are allied with the Assyrian. And don't think that there's going to be a great big uh, divide between Russia and China at this point. I don't see that coming. Because China is now depending a great deal on Russia for uh, oil and gas and other things, food included, uh, with their starving people. So that, that alliance between the Gentiles is going to grow stronger, not weaker. Uh, even then, though, it will be a, a statue of iron and miry clay. Uh, they'll work together, but they will not be completely solid together put it that way. Uh, Then we came to chapter 8, and it talks again about uh, Assyria coming very shortly and overrunning the promised land, which is America, and even to the neck, which is at Jerusalem here, uh, and fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. That's forecast in verse 8. And then he talks about the conspiracy, but that God is with a few people, and that we are to sanctify him and not worry about the conspiracy, but be fearful of God. Let our true fear be with God, because he is the one who can save, he is the one who can destroy, he holds life and death in his hands, and he holds eternal life and death in his hands. Now... The people who come here to destroy this nation might destroy you physically. They might shoot you. They could do it if God allowed it. And he will with most of the church will be martyred, 90% of it. So Satan and his people are 
quite capable of killing us all unless God prevents it. So our fear should be in him who holds the keys to eternal life, not to this life. You know, many of the prophets and the apostles were killed physically in body by the Romans, by enemies in the Old Testament. Uh, they had no problem killing the Israel killed the prophets themselves. They had no problem with that, and God allowed it to happen. Uh, but they're listed in Hebrews 11 as among the faithful who will be resurrected and given eternal life. So fear not him who can destroy the body, but him who can destroy the body and the soul in Gehenna fire. But I, I'm going back through this a little bit because I wanted to get down to verse 16 and verse 20 where he says, Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and again in verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And I think I commented back then, when we went through this last week, that if anyone believes the law is done away with, which is, Nearly all of Christianity, so-called, Catholic Church, Methodist, Baptist, Church of Christ, uh, you name it, they basically all think the law of God is done away with and does not need to be kept, that it's grace only, and once you say, uh, I love Jesus, or however you want to put it, uh, you're saved and you can't be lost. That's their testimony. That's their belief. That's what they go by. And yet here, he says, bind up the testimony and seal the law among my disciples. So his disciples will have the law. That's very clear. They'll believe in the law. They will follow the law. And that's very clear in the New Testament, despite a few protestations of a few verses uh, in Galatians, which can easily be proved to be wrong. But I wanted to emphasize this before we go on and do a little side study on testimony. What does the testimony mean? Now, I mentioned, I think, last week that it's the Word of God which is given to us as a testimony. Let's see some comments about that in Scripture. I'll do a, a quick little study with a few verses here to show that Exodus 16.34 shows uh, something that was put in the Ark of Testimony. It's called the Ark of Testimony, as we shall see. Uh, Exodus 16, verse 34. And the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron, speaking of the, uh, verse 33 is where I want to start. Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it up before the Eternal to be kept for your generations. As the Eternal commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came to the borders of the land of Canaan. So, a gold pot of manna was kept as a testimony of what had occurred. You look up the word testimony in Hebrews, 
I mean in Hebrew or in Greek, and it means attestation or a record of or a testimony that certain things happened. We use it today commonly in the same sense when you go to court and testify. You promise and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and then you sit there and lie through your teeth. Uh, but the word means that you tell a true testimony of what actually did occur. So God caused that banner to be laid up there as a testimony or a witness, if you will, of what they had gone through and how God fed them. Uh, Exodus 40 and verse 21. 40. Uh, let's see, I'll pick it up. Verse 21. And he brought the ark into the covenant, into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the covering and covered the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded Moses. So the ark that they put within the tabernacle was, was called an ark of testimony. And we saw how they put a bowl of manna in there as part of the testimony that God had seen them through the wilderness. He had taken care of them. He had fed them. They could depend upon him. It was put in there as a witness throughout their generations that he had done that. And it was put in as a physical manifestation of it. Uh, let's go to Numbers right quick here again and see something else that was set as a testimony. Numbers, uh, 1, I guess it is, unless I wrote it down wrong. Numbers 1. And here in 50, <clears throat> Numbers 150, But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony. So the tabernacle itself in the wilderness, or the tent tabernacle, or tent uh, temple, if you will, was a tabernacle of testimony itself. And we just saw where the ark inside the uh, tabernacle was a testimony. And then the items put in the ark were testimony of what? That God is God, that God was over his people, that he led them out of Egypt, or Mitzrayim, that he fed them until they got to the promised land. So he was putting in there things that would last, that were important for them to remember. So they appointed the Levites over it, and over all the vessels thereof, and over all things that belong to it, and they'll bear the tabernacle and all the vessels thereof, and shall minister to it, and shall encamp round about the tabernacle. So it was in itself a testimony as well. Now, Another article was put in there, number 17. 
Number 17. And let's go to about verse 4. And you shall lay them up in the tabernacle. Oh, let's see. Verse 3. And you shall write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. For one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. And you shall lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod, whom I shall choose, shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. So, they had murmured against Moses, you'll remember, and Korah and others died. They murmured against Aaron as well, and there was that rebellion. And God looks upon rebellion as witchcraft. So he wanted something in here to testify against rebels and to testify of whom he had appointed so that there could be no question. So he told them all to bring your rods from the different tribes and we'll see which one buds. Moses spoke to the children of Israel and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece. For each prince, one according to their father's, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron's was among their rods. And Moses stacked them before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And in the morning, Moses went to the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi, Levi was budded and brought forth buds and blossoms and blossoms and yielded almonds. These were just dead sticks, twelve of them. And not only did it bud, but it also flowered, and it brought forth almonds overnight. That's a pretty quick crop. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord and all the children of Israel, and they looked and took every man his rod, knew which one it was. They were probably marked a certain way. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. And you shall quite take away their murmurings from me that they die not. So God said once and for all, uh, the house of Levi was going to be appointed, and I don't want to hear any more murmuring and any more, see any more rebellion. And Moses did as he was commanded. And the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, we die, we perish, we all perish. Whosoever comes anything near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Shall we be consumed with dying? So they realized that if they tried to take over the use of the tabernacle, they would die. And in fact, when one man, Uzzah, tried to steady it, just trying to help, he died. So there's more to that story than just Uzzah saying, oh, God had made it clear who would be in charge. And if anybody was not authorized, they'd better be careful. Presumption is as witchcraft as well. So that rod was put in the Ark of the Covenant. And there was one other thing put in there. 
but where did I write it down? Here somewhere. Most important one of all, Exodus 25. Exodus 25. He's talking about the ark here. Verse 16, And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I shall give you. Make a mercy seat and all of that. And then down in verse 21, he says, And you shall put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you, and I will meet with you and commune with you. Uh, I guess I didn't mark the verse where he says to put the two tablets in there. But it's here. We don't, I'm not going to look for it at the moment, but it's there. And if they were to put those two tablets written in the very finger of God in the ark as well. So the Ten Commandments written in the hand of God, the manna and the rod that budded. Now, Hebrews 9 and verse 4 gives a summary of this. Hebrews 9 and verse 4. Talking about the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, it says, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. So those three things, Paul says, were the ones that were put in there uh, as testimony of God. Now let's go to 1 Kings 8 9, which is a very interesting scripture. 1 Kings 8 and verse 9. Those who put in there, remember that one statement to go throughout their generations? That may not have continued and actually happened that way. 1 Kings 8. Uh, and here we want verse 9. The, when the uh, tabernacle came back, the altar came back, verse 9, there was nothing in the ark save the two table, tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb, whom the Eternal made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. So, at that point in history, the manna had disappeared and the rod of Aaron had disappeared. Only, the only thing left was the tablets of stone. Now that's interesting because God had made a point of having these things be placed there and they were to be a testimony to Israel about the past and now two of the three had disappeared. Could God have prevented that? Easily. Did he prevent it? No. Now, that was at that time in history when it probably reappears here in the end time. Will those have been restored or will they still be missing? Just a question. 
Now, when I read that and saw that those two things had disappeared, the question that came to my mind was, why? Why would God allow those to disappear? It doesn't say in Scripture just why, but putting some Scripture together uh, and some thoughts on it, I'll give a little bit of speculation as to why that might have occurred. Why God allowed it, in other words. Now, I don't know that this is true. This is speculation, okay? I, I like to let you know when it is that as opposed to the Word of God, uh, clearly. But we find in the book of Hebrews that there was a change in the priesthood. It was no longer Levi who would be the priest. And Paul made it very clear there in Hebrews that it was to change to the New Testament ministry, those ordained by Christ and those that they ordained afterward, who would be in charge of the things of God and no longer the Levites. So very possibly God understanding that there would be a change from the Levitical priesthood allowed the rod of Aaron to be removed because it would no longer be the Levites, but the New Testament ministry, which came from various tribes. Uh, you look at the apostles, and they weren't all the same tribe. So, that's a possibility. Now, what about the manna? It was there as a testimony that God had fed them, God had taken care of them. But what had they done? They had rebelled from the very beginning as soon as they got across the Red Sea. They had pretty much rebelled all through the 40 years, making themselves a god while Moses was obtaining the law from God. And they had rebelled so much that God said every one of their bodies was going to fall in the wilderness and only their children would go in. So the manna was there as a testimony that God had taken care of them, but they rebelled against God. Now, would he have allowed the testimony that they had to be taken away because they didn't live up to it? Very possibly. And therefore, only the Ten Commandments remained. That makes them of ultimate importance then, doesn't it? Now, wouldn't you think if somebody were desecrating and they took the manna out and they took the rod that budded out, they would have certainly taken the tablets of stone written in God's hand out and gotten rid of them too. But they remained. Now, God saw to it, obviously, that they remained there. Now, if he was going to very shortly do away with the law, why would he have made sure that that stayed there? Why not go ahead and get rid of it then? And then Christ could have come and said, well, you know, we don't have to keep the law anymore, and it was taken out of the ark uh, long ago because it no longer matters to us. That would have been convenient for the Protestants, but that's not what the Bible record is. 
the tablets of stone were still there. Now, testimony uh, is used in very, very much in this way in the Bible. Ruth 4 and verse 7, I will not turn to, but you can look at it if you want. Uh, they also had a thing that they did when they made a covenant to sell land or whatever as a testimony that this was true, they would remove their shoe and give it to the guy they made the deal with. So there with Ruth, uh, Boaz took his shoe off and handed it to him, said, I'm buying her. She's mine now. And here's the shoe as a testimony. They had done it a little differently earlier, which I'm sure you've recounted, uh, where the King James translators... Um, wouldn't they were too Victorian, if you will. So when they made a, a deal, it says they laid his hand upon his thigh. Uh, that's not what he did. They laid their hand upon their testicles. And that's where we get the word testify or testimony is from laying the hands on the testicles. Very dear to a man. And uh, if you swore by your testicles, uh, that was your manhood. <laughs> you didn't do that unless you meant business. Uh, you were going to carry through with what you had said you would do. So they also used the shoe. I guess that was a little easier later. But that's the way it had been originally. So instead of raising your hand in court today, if you had had a court the same way then, uh, you would have grabbed yourself somewhere else instead of raising your hand. God is not approved. He made all this stuff, you know. Uh, and he allowed these things to happen the way they happened. And uh, I was going to go to some, but for the sake of time, I think I won't. Uh, you might jot them down. John three thirty-two through 33. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 10. Uh, Revelation 1, verse 2. And 12, verse 17, just show that the uh, apostles gave the testimony of Christ. They went about preaching that what they were saying about Christ had actually occurred. And the book of Revelation in those verses backs that up to show that that's what testimony is. So, in a larger sense then, the story of Christ, as expounded in the New Testament, is testimony that God is God, that Christ was the true Son of God, and that the Father is the Father of all. So the Old Testament was there to testify who God is, and so is the New Testament. So if we get back to Isaiah, with that background, and he says, to the law and the testimony is bound up in my disciples. So what do we have that the world does not have? The one thing that was left in the ark, the law. And the testimony, which, as I said, is the word of God. This is the written testimony that God is God. So we subscribe to living by every word of God. It's said that way three times 
in the Bible. In Deuteronomy, in Matthew, and in uh, Luke, I think it is. 4.4. Four. The Word of God. Live by every word of God. That's what we try to do. Now, most churches today have a few verses they like to follow. Uh, some of them have five or six. Some have eight or ten. Some may have thirty or forty. And if you really push it, there are probably a few out there that would look up maybe 200 verses in the Bible. I don't know, just guessing. But every one of them, to you and me, is important. Thy word is truth. So we are to live by all these scriptures. Basically, the whole Protestant world has thrown aside the whole Old Testament. They say it was for the past. They keep Psalms and Proverbs because they have lots of nice sayings. But they don't look to them as authority, just the New Testament. And they don't look to most of the New Testament as authority, just a few verses in Galatians that they like. And that's the sad state of religion and so-called Christianity in the world today. There are very, very few who look to this whole thing. And what we're seeing here in Isaiah as we go through this, it's almost like reading the newspaper. This, this is stuff that's happening right now as we sit here. I can't emphasize that too much. God said he would do this, and here it is happening before our very eyes. So let's go on to chapter 9 then. <clears throat> he says that there will be darkness and dimness and anguish at the end of chapter 8. A terrible time is coming, and he said in that chapter that we will be invaded by the Assyrian, whom we used to think was the Germany, but now I'm pretty well totally convinced it's Russia. Uh, they're the ones that are on the scene at the moment, and Germans are about to starve uh, to death and die of cold. Their industry is collapsing before our very eyes, so they can't do anything. Nevertheless, verse 9, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the, children, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. So he's talking here, if you go back in history, and they had some difficulties, but they weren't really major difficulties compared to what he's just said is going to happen in chapter 8, that the land will be taken over uh, by our enemies, by the Assyrians. And he shows them some light. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. Now, who is this? Because he says the nation is going to be taken captive. We know a third will die of famine and pestilence, which is starting. And a third by the sword, and a third taken captive. Very clear in Ezekiel 5. Because that's the way it's going to be. But who's going to see a great light in this shadow of death that is upon the nation? <coughs> if 90% are going to die, they're not going to see the light. 
Not until later on. The second resurrection. Let's read on. You have multiplied the nation and increased the joy. The, the word not is not in the original text. Multiplied the nation and increased the joy. They joy before you according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. So in all this darkness and captivity that is coming, there are going to be some who are blessed and who will look upon it as a time of harvest, a wonderful time. Doesn't he say in Isaiah 54, or 55 it is, come and have wine and milk without money. God is going to provide some people who see a great light. Who is the great light? God, Christ himself. He's going to multiply their joy even as the nation is destroyed. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. So the church is here today and you and I are going through the beginnings of this horror that is coming upon our nation. We're here when fuel prices have doubled. We're here trying to make a living and eat when grocery prices are going up, up, up. We're here trying to deal with a government that is very oppressive. And it's getting more and more difficult as the days go by. I just happen to know of a story in the state of Washington where a man had been appointed as the uh, caretaker for his mother who was getting some dementia and her estate was all put in his hands to manage legally and on paper. And he had an ex-girlfriend who had an axe to grind Apparently, she had reported that he had abused his mother. And the state of Washington came in, took over the estate, took over his house, which is an expensive home, and other properties, and never gave him a hearing. They said he'd have a hearing to see if this girlfriend was telling the truth or not. But they never had the hearing. They took over the house, and now they have sold the house, and he still has not had a hearing. He's not been able to explain if he did or didn't abuse his mother. He's not been able to bring witnesses of how well he took care of her. He had finally put her in a really nice nursing home, where she was being very well taken care of. And using, not keeping all the money for himself, he was using it to take care of her. So on the Word of a disaffected girlfriend, they took everything away from him and have now sold it. And he has really no recourse. He thinks he's going to sue the state of Washington. <laughs> How are you going to do that now? With Washington being taken over by the liberals as they have been. Where are you going to find a good judge? Where are you going to find a good anybody in that mess? So he just lost it. That's not the America I grew up in. Used to, before they could take your stuff, they had to prove that you had done something wrong. 
but they should take it. They used to have to prove that you had done something wrong before they could take your children with them and sell them to the pedophiles. Now they don't. If they hear a rumor, you misabuse your child, or they can find a, a bruise mark on his leg. Doesn't matter whether you spanked him and left a bruise mark. He might have run into the fence out there in the yard and left a bruise mark. Off he goes, or she goes. It's not the land of the free and the home of the brave anymore. It's the land of those who are enslaved in the land of the coward, not the brave. That's what we live in today. But there are going to be some who will serve God, who will have the testimony written in this book and the law and be keeping them to see a great light. God is going to show himself to them. And they'll break the yoke of our burden. This communist government that rules over us today. For every battle of the warriors with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. So he's going to break the rod of the oppressor as in the days of Midian. That's referring to Gideon, where they took the pictures, as you recall. We've used this several times lately. And broke them and shouted, and the army below turned on each other and killed each other. And God says he's going to do the same thing. I can show you verses, and we may have them in this context. Uh, it's in Micah 4 and 5, where the Assyrians are going to run, and they're going to kill each other, as in the days of Midian. It says it right here. We don't have to kill them. They're going to be so scared, they're going to go kill themselves. That was very clear in Micah 4 and 5, actually, and in Isaiah as well. So, it'll be confusion among our enemies. And they won't retain the original promised land. Verse 6, then it says, who this is talking about. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the eternal hosts will perform this. So this is going on into the millennium then. The people who are in darkness will see a great light. God will protect them. Their enemies will kill themselves. And then when the millennium comes, the government of God is going to expand from Zion that's where God's people will be gathered here at the end. And then the government will go from Zion around the world. And that's what this is describing. <clears throat> because the Father and the Son, in Revelation 21, will come down at the beginning of the millennium to rule the earth. 
And Christ will rule with a rod of iron and will rule with him a thousand years. That's what we're here for. We're already in the area of Zion, in the area of Jerusalem. And from here is where everything is going to happen. The gathering to this place, the end time work of God at this place, and then forevermore from this place is where it's going to be. God is going to win. I want his testimony bound up in my heart and mind, all these words that we're reading here today and more, and his law that we need to keep in order to have peace. If the law is God is kept, there is peace. If it is not kept, there is tragedy and horror and hurt feelings and destroyed lives and uh, dysfunctional families and uh, all kinds of things that are bad happen when people break the law of God. Verse 8 then, The Lord sent a word into Jacob, and it has lighted upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, the rest of the tribes, that say in the pride and stoutness of heart, God is going to send his word. Who is he going to send it by? The remnant church and the two who go preaching it is how it's going to go out. People have said in the pride and stoutness of their heart, the bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. Uh, there was a Jew who wrote a book about the towers falling. Um, we probably all heard about that. I think I even read the book. And how a sycamore tree was there, and, and he went on through the whole story. But we will rebuild. And then we proceeded to rebuild. So we're proud and stout of heart, and we think that we're going to survive everything. I had a man who was not part of the church tell me three days ago that World War III is coming over, coming, coming across, it's happening. He can see China, Russia, he can see everything happening. But he says, they'll never set their boots on American soil. None of this will ever come to us. We have too many guns. They're scared of us. So none of this will happen on American soil. Never has and never will. He was adamant about it, so I didn't argue with him. I thought, well, okay, that's your view. And then driving home yesterday, I saw a, a flag standing out in front of somebody's house in Utah. Kind of a black-looking flag. And on it, it said... Black guns, that won't come to Black guns matter, <laughs> instead of black lives matter. And most guns, you know, are black. There's some stainless steel and there's a few pink ones for little girls and boys. But they're generally black. So, his flag in his front yard says, my black guns matter and don't come and get them. So there are a lot of Americans that have this attitude right here that he's talking about today. I've seen it witnessed in the last three days, at least once. So we'll build it back. 
Well, verse 11, Therefore the Eternal shall set up the adversaries of Rezin against him and join his enemies together. Now, Rezin was involved in that conspiracy in chapter 7 against Ephraim. So he's using the same name here, that within Ephraim, this conspiracy, no matter what you build back, is going to come back on you. And they'll join their enemies together. Now, we can show several scriptures that we're being destroyed from within. Uh, Biden and all those with him are doing it on purpose to enforce communism on our country and to destroy us. So God will set up the adversaries. The Syrians before and the Philistines behind, those are just types of traditional uh, enemies of Israel. They didn't have nations called Russia and China or India in those days. So he uses the ones that were there, and we have to type in the modern names, is what it amounts to. Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. So he names the Assyrians specifically, then he names these who will be allied with Assyria to come in and destroy us. God's anger is not yet appeased, even though this happens. For the people turn not to him that smites them, neither do they seek the eternal of hosts. Americans aren't going to have a great revival. There are people in our nation today who think there's going to be a great religious revival and God is going to save us. Well, God has already said there will not be a revival. This people will not listen. Do not even pray for them. It won't do any good. They're going to stay in rebellion and they're going to be destroyed. Now, that's not my opinion, brethren. That's the Word of God. Therefore, the Eternal will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush, in one day, very short period of time. That fits with uh, Revelation 18, where it says in one hour, in one day, a very, very short period of time. The ancient and honorable, he is the head, and the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail. So the leaders at the head and the false prophets, the tail, will be cut off. For the leaders of this people cause them to err, to do things wrong, to do things contrary to God. And they that are led of them are destroyed. So the leaders are leading us into destruction. Well, isn't that true? They're wanting us to kill all our babies. They're still killing babies, and they intend to do that. They also are giving us <laughs> diseases to kill us off, and because we worship pharma, pharmacaea and the doctors instead of God, uh, our own gods are killing us. They're leading us into error right now in pushing Russia. The ones that God says are going to destroy us, our leaders right now are pushing against and causing them to have to come destroy us is what they're doing. 
They're doing it on purpose. Can we get it through our thick United States brains that we are no longer a chosen, blessed people? We are under a curse from God. And this is not going to abate until we're destroyed. And our leaders are taking us there. They're also taking away the rule of law. The courts no longer mean anything. The Constitution is just a piece of ragged paper that they've forgotten. And they don't care. You can't stand on the Constitution anymore. They'll laugh you out of court. Now, that's an error. And they've already said that they're going to allow rape and murder and all these heinous crimes, and they're not even going to arrest people. That's already been said in this nation by some of its leaders. Do you believe that? That's not the America I know. It's the America I know today. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows. Now God, all through the Bible, says, show mercy on the widow and the orphan. He says, take care of the widow and the orphan. Many scriptures. And here, he says, there will be no mercy shown even to the widow and the orphan. This is going to be a universal destruction. For everyone is a hypocrite, an evildoer, and every mouth speaks folly. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Look at the widows and the orphans across our country. Are the widows committing sins just like everybody else? Yeah, they are. Adultery, fornication. Lying, stealing, cheating, in every way. There's no difference between the leaders and the tail, and everything in between. We are all a hypocritical nation. You'll have no joy. For wickedness burns as the fire. It shall devour the briars and thorns, and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest, and they shall mount up like the lifting up of smoke. So he's calling our people now, not chosen ones of Israel, but briars and thickets and thorns. That's the way God looks at the American people. I don't like briars and thickets and thorns. I don't like foxtails and goatheads and tumbleweeds. Same thing. And that's the way God looks at Americans today. We've departed so far from him. Through the wrath of the eternal of hosts is the land darkened, and the people shall be as the fuel of the fire. Thrown in the fire and killed. No man shall spare his brother. You know, this smacks of Daniel, doesn't it? Where Nebuchadnezzar would kill all his enemies. And then here comes Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there was a conspiracy to get them killed, and God protected them. Just them. Nebuchadnezzar killed no telling how many people who, in any way, were adversarial toward him. 
Communist governments are doing it today. Hitler did it. Uh, we have people in Washington, D.C. who are saying all MAGA people ought to be killed. And we had about two or three days ago some flaming Democrat liberal who killed a young Republican because of what he said about politics. He'll get away free. They won't do anything to him. You can kill a Republican now and say, it's no big deal. That's the way it is, people. And he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry, and he shall eat on the left hand, and they shall not be satisfied. They shall eat every man the flesh of his own arm. These are children. That's where America is going. This is going to get so bad, the people will be eating each other. And we see cannibalism happening now. And it's being promoted now. Eat crickets and eat people. Soil and grain is on its way. They have just, was it in Washington or California I just saw, where they have uh, now legalized composting humans. California was it. So when you die now, they can throw you in the compost pile and you can deteriorate there and then they can put you on the plants and raise things for people to eat from you. It's legal now in California. Shall we move to California tomorrow? It's a beautiful place. I don't think so. This stuff is starting to happen before our very eyes. Manasseh Ephraim and Ephraim Manasseh, Britain the U.S., they together shall be against Judah. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. So the Israelite tribes are going to start turning on one another. Uh, Britain is going to turn on the United States. They won't be friends anymore, and we against them, and the Jews against everybody. It's going to be every man for himself. They won't find food on the right, and on the left they find each other and eat each other. So, I can tell you what's happening in the headlines today, which we've just talked about some, and then we can come and read this and see where it's all going to end up. Because God has said, and this is a testimony of His Word, that he is going to do this to us. He's going to cause it to happen. He's going to let Satan and our enemies do most of it, but he's going to oversee it and be sure it happens because it's his anger, he says here, right? My anger is not turned away. He is going to see us mostly dead in candidates for the second resurrection. He's going to work this all out and most Americans will eventually be saved, but it's about 1,100 years away. <laughs> it's not going to be any time soon. All I can say then is thank God that I understand His law, and that I understand His words, and you know how to apply it because it's happening before our very eyes this very day, and know that if we trust Him, we're going to see a great light 
and he's going to protect us in Zion if we will but follow his law and his testimony. Don't go to those wizards of teeth and mutter. Who's that talking about? You don't have to go down to 2nd Avenue and 1st and find a palm reader. We have people in our government in Washington, D.C. who claim to worship Satan and do. And we have religious leaders who worship Satan. And Christ said that way back. You worship you know not what to the Pharisees who thought they worshiped God. So anyone who does not subscribe to this whole book and to the laws within it, the Ten Commandments, this is an end-time prophecy about the law. If they don't subscribe to this, you're not to go to them. That's a warning from God. Some people used to listen to Billy Graham. Some people in the church, they used to listen to this preacher or that preacher somewhere. God says, do not do that. If they don't subscribe to every word of God and keep the law of God, do not listen to them. But I've known people living on this property that listen to others. Who did not believe in every word of God or the commandments. Be careful. Just be careful. God is only going to work in one place. That's all. Through the two witnesses and the remnant that he gathers together. And wherever that is, you better find them. Because that's the only place the law and the testimony is going to be sealed in their heads. In your head. That's just the way it is. God has always done that. He didn't work through the Catholic Church, Simon Magus. He worked through his apostles. But a lot of people were deceived and won't be in the kingdom of God until maybe the second resurrection as a result. We had better be sure we're worshiping the true God and listening only to those things that come from him through this book. The only thing we have, the only thing on earth that will do you any good is this book and following what it says. And it will do you a whole bunch of good if you do that. Enough for today.